So, Mike, I don't know if you uh, have noticed this, but uh, we currently don't have a sponsor for the podcast. But um, out of nowhere today, I got an email from one of my favorite companies, and they uh, wanted me to do this live read. So that's how we're going to start today's um, uh, proceedings. Now, you as a veteran of many uh, national commercials have been listening to me do my reads. Do you have any tips for me? Other than don't do them. Don't do them is the number one tip. You know what? Um, Take two weeks off and then quit. (laughs) Just be yourself. Just keep it real. That's what they're through your total. Keep it, keep it, keep it real. Be grounded. Don't be too big. You know, just have a conversation. That's all. All right, good. Here we go. Here's my conversation. All right. Architect of a champion, Theo Epstein. An in-depth look at a decade of transformation and triumph. Premieres April 10th, 2022, from 5 p.m. to 5.05 p.m. on Marquee Sports Network. Available on most cable providers and several brands of Maytag refrigerators. So, I'll tell Crane that I knocked off that ad for him. I'm riveted. All right, good. Um, I can't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set my calendar right now. So, that was 2022. So yeah, well, they're was... going to need some time to put the five-minute show together. So, they gave themselves a year and a half. Yeah. So they're in good, good. shape. Good. It's, it's a lot of footage to assemble, and you know, they probably have to get Theo on the phone once or twice to interview him. Oh, yeah. that's going to screw yeah, everything up. take a while. Cole Wright needs to write some scripts. That'll be fine. Yeah. All right. So welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. You've already heard Mike Pusteri, so you know that we're going to talk about the Bears. Although, for those of you who are interested, at the end of this, we are going to talk about the big Cub news today with... Uh, our beloved Theodore going off into good night. His name is not Theodore. Did you know that? He's just he's just Theo. I didn't know that. Yes. Interesting. It's not short okay. for anything. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so as always, I'm I'm Andy. You can f- subscribe to this podcast. Although I don't know how you're hearing it right now. If you didn't, at um, go to uh, Anchor.fm/discipio. You can sign up for the newsletter at pointlessexercise.com. And if you want to know more about Mike, you can go to Mike Pusateri. Dot com. Go there. You can uh, the, you'll find my links to the Twitter at Mike Pusateri, the IMDb page. I am I am Mike Pusateri two on IMDb. I saw by that. The way. Yes, there was a oh, Mike yeah. Pusateri. <laughs> Not good, but somewhere a Mike Pusateri beat me out to number to the number one spot. They didn't make you change your name or go with a middle initial. Well, you know, it, it, when you're in SAG, if someone had, uh, you can only have one person with that exact name. So that's why you see actors have different, mm-hmm. um, go by, di- you know, go by different names. So fortunately, there was there was no Mike Pusateri when I joined. So, so if there but, was, what would you have gone with, Michael? Probably Michael. Yeah. 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 Michael the architect in honor of Theo. Michael yes. the architect Pusateri, yeah. perhaps. I really did. I like that title, Architect of a Champion, Theo Epstein, an in-depth look at a decade of transformation and triumph. That's bullshit so good. They really should steal that from me and actually make a real show that's called that. I can't wait to hear Sean Marshall interview you about that. Yeah, that's going to be great. Um, Yeah. Or maybe, I don't know, I dare to dream, Ryan Sweeney. Well, let's keep our... The hunky hunky Ryan Sweeney who can never quite remember to shave his upper lip. Yeah. The dogs are excited about it. Very excited. All right, so we're up 
So yeah, we'll talk about Theo towards the end of the podcast. Um, but for now, we have to we have to talk about the Bears because that's what the uh, podcast is for. Yeah. Um, so last night's game was, I think, the one thing it had going for it was it was short. Like they were Better. in a hurry, which was good because I was in a hurry for it to end too. That's the one saving grace that you should. They, if they were doing any high fives at ESPN, it was because of that. At least this move. <laughs> At least it's moving along. Yeah, they played the first half in like an hour and 11 minutes. Incredible. Like yeah, yeah. Amazing. And that's with the Bears not able to rush the ball forward. And it still did that. Yeah, I don't know. Did Maybe they – have they switched it so Bear games just have a running clock? Incompletion, out of bounds, doesn't matter. Just, ro- just roll it. Nobody wants to see this shit. Let's just keep it going. You know what? Nobody would complain. Nobody would complain. So they, so stat I heard about the, because uh, the big news, of course, let's start with the big news, was that uh, Matt Nagy finally gave up the Denny's menu. He handed it over to our, the guy with the best name of any offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor. And that um, didn't, didn't really change a, much of anything. What a difference. But yeah. I did enjoy the fact. Remember last year, Nagy said, "If I change play calls, you'll never know." Well, he's right. We wouldn't have known. We would have had no idea. Uh, six points from the offense from the great uh, Bill Lazor, and I, it was so funny just listening to the broadcast, and more so on Twitter. Oh, Lazor being being up in the booth, such a difference. Yeah, I mean, Nagy can't he can't see from field level. Nice gaze guy. He's got this. The view of the entire field so great. We're seeing things we haven't seen before. Shut up! No, you're dead. We saw the same garbage we've seen all year. Well, and the other advantage was that Nagy was going to be able to see things he typically didn't see, because he's the king of. Well, what did you think about that uh, that personal foul on Akeem Hicks? I don't know. I didn't see it. I was looking at my play sheet. <laughs> you check the getting re- I was getting ready for the next drive. Now. Yeah. They said something weird. They said that instead of the big play sheet, he had he just had a few index cards. So what do you think is on the index cards? You know, just no, one that says "BU" still or or "B Bill." Yeah, yeah. Did they just give him like like play doh or something to play with? On one the of side? them was probably because I think he's got typically he's, uh, the head coach has the headset where he could switch between offense and defense. So one card was just which button was which. <laughs> okay, so the the button with O on it is the offense. Only the D out of this defense. All right, I got to keep this one handy. I might need to refer to that again. Wait, what, what's what's ST? Uh, what is ST, guys? <laughs> Saint who? Saint? <laughs> no, special teams. And uh, leave them alone. They're the only part of your team that's working right now. Okay, great. Right. right. <sighs> so, um, stat that I uh, was on, Tom Waddle had it today on uh, ESPN 1000. I actually listened to a little sports radio today because I was listening to the Theo stuff. Um, so we talked last week about how week 11 of Nagy's first season is when the offense went and never returned. And Tom, there have been 33 games since then. The Bears have averaged 18 points a game. Mm. You'd be surprised to know that's last in the NFL. <laughs> Even the Bengals, pre-Joe Burrow, could manage more than 18 points in a game, but not the Bears. Remarkable. Remarkable. So, 
it was a it was a very strange game. The, the Vikings defense is bad. It was bad, and then they got rid of like two of their. They traded away. T- well, Danielle Hunter sat out. Decided I'm not playing. COVID screw this. Right. They right. traded for a guy from the Jags to play defensive end, and they went ahead and traded him. It's like, nah, we suck. Here, let's get let's recoup a draft pick for this guy. Um, teams have been taking advantage of them week in and week out, uh, but not the Bears. They couldn't mount much of anything. They activated Lamar Miller to play running back and the great Artavis Price. Pierce. Price? Pierce. Whatever. <laughs> whatever it takes. Um, and didn't really use either one of them, which, yeah, whatever. Uh, they ran for ran 17 times for 41 yards. Amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah. I thought, well, of course, that's because they're passing it so well. That's why they're not even bothering yeah. to uh, – I mean, why slow down your off – why slow down your passing game by running the ball? Uh, Foles completed 15 of 26 passes for 106 yards. And, and then, actually looked, looked worse than yeah, the – it did. Those, his stats yeah. always do – or his stats always look somewhat more competent than the, than the thing you see. Because um, like, he rolled up a crap load of yards against the Titans, and it was, it was an abomination. And he didn't actually move the ball ever, but, um, and we got to finally see the great Tyler Bray, one for five, for was it eighteen yards? Eighteen. Yeah, yards. Talk, talk about being rewarded for sticking through to the end of that game to see the debut of Tyler Bray. Wow, I thought I really thought he was going to bring him back. And so, <laughs> for as incompetent as they were, and they were completely incompetent on it, it was for an offense that's steadily gotten worse for two and a half years now. And a franchise with some of the worst offenses in NFL history, that might have been the worst offense I've ever seen in my life. It was up there with the um, Jonathan Quinn game, where he was literally afraid to play. Um, And Terry Shea got to the point where he's like, all right, we're just going to call a draw every play because Jonathan has soiled his pants. And (laughs) um, this was... This was worse somehow. Just- this was so bad. Yeah, it, it was so bad. I we have you know as Bears fans, been a Bears fan for any length of time. You have seen a lot of terrible offenses, and and I remember watching this team in the mid to late seventies <laughs> with a terrible, terrible offense. Now you had Walter Payton, thank yep. God. Uh, but I'm but I'm looking at that. I'm I'm sitting here thinking, you know. At least there, you, you had Roland Harper, you had a James Scott, you had uh, well, you the, know the great Roland Harper, the great Roland Harper. You had some guys. You had a. Uh, I'm looking at the line. I'm like, I, I would take the line for give me a give me a give me a Ted Albrecht <laughs> now. Give me a, right. Give yeah, me right a Noah, now. Noah Jackson. Yeah. Give me a Reedy Sorry. God, I wonder how much Noah weighs now. Is he alive? Oh. I don't feel know. like we're doing the other podcast, but I, they deserve it. Um, yeah. You know, give me a Dan Neal. Give me something on the offensive line. I, at least, at least we, with those, I mean, watching Bob Avellini and Mike Phipps and Vince Evans Ooh. just duke it out for worst quarterback ever was so painful. But at least you had Walter Payton and you had a line that could sometimes block competently. And you can't even say you can't even say anything near that about this iteration of the Chicago Bears. Not even close. Okay, so Noah Jackson's alive. 
And thankfully, the headline I found was not him. Uh, I found first confirmed he's 69 years old, still alive. Uh, but then there was a headline below that that said Noah Jackson, 15 to life for killing Ocean Beach incense man. Uh, a 21 year old man was fatally stabbed. This is why it's not Noah Jackson. He's tw- not 21. Uh, fatally stabbed a transient in Ocean Beach was sentenced Friday to 15 years to life in state prison. Noah Mitchell Jackson was convicted earlier this year of second degree murder for the June 22nd, 2017 killing of 65 year old Walter Raz Riley, an Ohio, an Ohio native nicknamed the incense man due to his practice of selling aromatic burning sticks at local farmers markets. Wow. Jackson confessed to a friend that he stabbed Riley, according to the prosecutor who said, Jackson told the friend, I got that guy. I stabbed that expletive. Those are the words of a murderer, Riley told the jurors. Yes, it is. He literally said wow. that he, so. But good news, not the former uh, obese bear offensive guard. Different Noah Jackson. That's good. Okay, let's do Dennis Lick while we're at it. <laughs> <laughs> What's a Dennis Lick up to these days? <laughs> so you can't, go, you can't go far enough back to Rudy Bukic, though, right? That's, I don't go that, that you're, That's yeah. pre-you, yeah. That's pre-me. Yeah. I never obviously I wasn't I wasn't around for Rudy Bukic, but I feel like Nick Foles has been Rudy Bukic esque. Yeah, he's channeling him. So we had the um, the offensive line was not quite as patched together as it was two weeks ago. Uh, Cody Whitehair was back, so Alex Bars went to guard. Uh, Charles Leno is still healthy, but the Jermaine Afedi, Rashawn Coward. Side of the line still a problem because mm-hmm. they don't block anybody, which is an issue. But early in the game, was it the very first drive, they formed a perfect pocket around Foles. He dropped back, he stepped up, he had a wide open Anthony Miller. He threw it as he's wont to do, four feet over Anthony's head, who jumped up, tipped <laughs> it, and got intercepted. Yeah, that was pretty much the end of the game. You're like, all right, well, it's not happening today. ESPN should have gone to the. They still have reruns of the strong world's strongest man competition. They could have put on. <laughs> right. They go to that with just a ticker at the bottom for the bear game. Maybe like, a here, classic. I'm going to spare footage. you. Just keep keep track of it right here. Classic footage of Earl Anthony. They could have aired that during the game. Yeah. I placed two bets on the game. One I thought. Well, I, one I thought for sure was going to cash in. The other one, I only did it. Uh, which app did I use? DraftKings, I think. They got me. So the, the Vikings were favored by three and a half. But you, they were paying out better if you bet the Bears on the money line. So it didn't even, didn't even have to worry about, you know, which I guess makes sense because they had to win outright. But I was like, I think they, I think they can probably do it. And the, the, I forget what it was, like plus 135 or whatever. I'm like, hi, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so that, you know, through that. You know, but the, the bet I thought I was going to win was first player to score. I went Dalvin Cook. I thought this can't. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be. Right. <laughs> and um, so Vikings are driving. They turn it over. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, first fumble in his career. Danny Trevathan punches it out. That's another thing I want to talk about is the punching. It's driving me insane. Trevathan punches it out. On the replay, it looks like probably not a fumble, but they take 
pity on the Bears, let them have the ball. So I'm like, all right, well, that's fine. You know, if the Bears score first, I'll be perfectly happy. But, of course, they weren't going to. Vikings get the ball right back thanks to Nick. Right. On the play that Thielen made the ridiculous one-arm, it wasn't even a one-handed catch. It was like a one-arm catch. Like he caught it like in the crutch of his, or the crux of his elbow, and it Incredible somehow catch. even made an adjustment with it. It's not like it was a fluke. He like went, oh here, I got to put it over here. He made a on the other move. side of the field. Dalvin Cook is alone. Like there is no one within thirty yards of him. The Bears completely blew the coverage. So of course, Kirk Cousins is like. Oh, I throw it to the guy that has four guys on him. Yeah, <laughs> so, I lost. I deserve, well, his, I deserve uh, to lose both those bets. Thinking of your Kirk Cousins, well, Cook is certainly going to be covered, but uh, there's a I got a little chance to squeeze it in here. Yeah. But now the Bears didn't bother to cover the best player. I think it's it. just uh, racism. <laughs> so I threw it to Thielen. It's, uh, it's stupid. Or maybe because, is it like, remember, remember the old Mitch can't throw left thing? Maybe Kirk mm. can't throw right. You know, he's blind in that eye. He can't cover that entire half of the field. <laughs> okay, so the punching of the ball thing. I get why they're doing it. The defense has, as I said, every bear season at some point devolves into the... The defense realizes if they don't score, not just get the ball, if they don't score, they can't win. The team can't win. A lot of pressure on the defense. It's very clear that they're not only trying to stop the other team, but now they're literally trying to get the ball on every play. Yeah. And, of course, that was made famous by Peanut Tillman. They even call it the Peanut Punch. And he was amazing at it. But the thing that they is kind of lost on the current Bears, the thing that made Peanut so amazing was sometimes he was punching it out when he wasn't the tackler. Like another guy would be bringing the guy down. Peanut would run in from behind and punch it out. But if Peanut was tackling the player, he had a way of bringing them down and punching at the ball at the same time. These guys, like, grab on with one arm and let the the offensive player drag them down the field a good seven or eight extra yards while they frantically punch at the ball. You can't keep giving them an extra eight yards of play for the futile attempt to knock the ball out, which is happening quite a bit. Right, right. Just terrible, terrible defense. So the other issue I've had the last couple of weeks has been with um, both weeks. Eddie Jackson has had a play where it looked like he just quit. Against the Titans, it was the A.J. Brown touchdown pass where he clearly thought Buster was going to tackle him. And so he kind of just stopped at the three-yard line. And A.J. drug Buster into the end zone with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, late in the game last night, he had a tackle on Kyle Rudolph on a third down that would have ended a Vikings drive. And it, I know in the end it doesn't matter because the Vikings would just kick the ball back to the Bears and Nick would run backwards for 10 yards and give him the ball back. Right. Um, and he just kind of ran up and like slid down Rudolph's leg. Like he was a little kid trying to stop Dad from going to work. He's just kind of like, Ugh. and Rudolph drug him along a little bit with his foot and then kicked it away. Right. And the only reason that I find that so irritating is that Eddie is either their first or second best defensive player. Well, actually, they have third. a good defensive player. Maybe the, either, maybe the third or fourth. Because you've yeah, got Hicks, Hicks, Fuller, Jackson. Yeah. Khalil. you got Mac. Mac. Uh, Roquan has been great yeah. the last few weeks. Anyway, he's one of their best players. And <laughs> effort is typically not an Eddie problem. 
But when it kind of leaps out at you a couple of weeks in a row, what it shows to me is the headspace that the defense is getting in, which Mm -hmm. is all this is bullshit. No matter what we do, it's not going to be enough. Yeah. And so Nagy can sit there and go, you know, oh, the guys are still playing hard. They're still playing for me. It's like, well, maybe consciously they think they're still, but subconsciously it's starting to go the other direction. Yeah. Because for a defense, it has to get super frustrating to know that even if you do your job perfectly, the, the clowns on the other half of the field are going to make sure that it doesn't really matter. Right. Not a great place to be. And we've seen it many times in Bears history. Are, are, are you at the point where it's time to just cheer against the Bears just so they just blow this thing up? Now, not against the Packers because it's impossible to cheer for the Packers. Yeah. But are you are – because are I think I'm at that point – as we talked about in one of the podcasts where many times in my fandom, I've had to actively root against my own team, hoping that there will be some change at the top. Yeah. Um, I'm ready to blow this, this thing up. I don't see much hope in, in salvaging this thing, but where yeah. are you at? I, I feel like, well, in 2014, the Trustman second year, the Packer game got him fired. When the Packers put 40 on, it was a 50, no 40. That was the uh, infamous... Like, they the had back-to-back around a box. Because we talked yeah. about doing great bye weeks in Bears history as a podcast. Sandwiched around a bye, they got completely torched by the Packers and the Patriots in one order or another. I don't remember which game was on which side of it. And that was it. That was when... That was the infamous um, George saying, Mom's pissed. And so they right. had to do something about it. This is um, the emergency meeting in Lambeau Field among the the McCaskies after the game, saying, "Oh my God, the Brain Trust." That's quite a group. <laughs> yeah. Um, I fear that the, the the five wins means you know this was the perfect year to be terrible. If you're going to be bad, be bad this year because there's two really good, at least two really good quarterbacks in the draft, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Get one of those two guys, and now you're in pretty good shape. Well, you got five wins. You're not going to get either one of them. Right. Now you're down to, like, Trey Lance, the the myth from North Dakota State, who might be awesome or could be. And they played, I think they played one game this year because of COVID. So Sounds like a, sounds like a Ryan, Ryan Pace does, kind of quarterback. Especially though, Trey but... Lance. That sounds yeah. like a could – you, could, you could you go by Mitchell? Mitchell Lance. No, I'm not going to be. Do you drive? No. What do you drive? What kind of car does your grandma drive? <laughs> is it a Camry? Like, no, shut up. We're not doing that again. Yeah. So I fear right. that, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it would take, I mean, I know what they should do, but they're not going to do it. It's not enough to just fire Nagy and pace even. I mean, that's a good start, mm-hmm. but this is a team that needs to go out and hire, and it's very cliche to say it today, they need a guy like Theo. Now, they don't need Theo. We don't need Theo to try to learn, and Theo's not going to want to do it. He's not going to try to learn no. the freaking NFL. Oh, God, no. Um, but they need, they. I don't even know who has the title of president. I don't know if that's George McCaskey's title. I don't know what Ted Phillips' phony baloney title is. I don't mm-hmm. bother to look it up. But that's what they really need. They need somebody who is only answers. They need one person who answers to the McCaskies. Absolutely. And then everybody else reports to him or her. 
Right. You know, but saying that for your, you can't, you cannot have report into Ted Phillips and expect any change. You can't. So, I mean, if, if they made, if they put me in charge, they made me Ernie Accorsi and I had to put a terrible toupee on and sometimes it's sideways, but you can't really tell because it's so bad. <laughs> I come in and consult them. I would say, all right, we're firing Ted. And when they go, well, I don't want to fire Ted. It's like, okay, well then we're giving Ted, uh, Ted is now in charge of the parking lot here at Hallis Hall. Right. So we're giving Ted an office where he can see the whole parking lot and he can make sure everybody parks straight. And if they don't, he can write a memo and remind them tomorrow you need to park straighter. And that's Ted's new duties. Pay him whatever the hell you want. I don't care, but that's all he's in charge of. He's not in charge of anything else anymore. It's his baby. No one will interfere in the parking lot. It's all Ted. We're <laughs> going to hire somebody to be the president. And it doesn't even have to, that person doesn't even have to be, maybe it would be better if they're not. That person doesn't need to be a football savant. That person needs to be someone who knows how to run, how an organization is supposed to run, and run it that way. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, look what the the Blackhawks did it with John McDonough. I don't think John knew if a hockey puck was vulcanized or stuffed. But he came in and he gave a basic organizational structure to an organization that didn't have one. Yeah. Theo came in as a guy who actually had done it before and knew what he was doing and modernized the cuffs. Yes. Right. We were still operating like it was 1932. He threw all that shit out and they had to start over. They just need to find somebody who will run it like a normal organization and who will hire a general manager and then leave the general manager to make the football decisions. Mm-hmm. And then that general manager goes and hires. And this is another key when they hire a new football coach eventually. Hire a coach who's going to coach the whole football team. Yeah. Not, well, because, you know, the last the last three guys, Tressman was an offensive guy who um, let put Mel, the great Mel Tucker in charge of the defense. It kind of left alone. Mm-hmm. That didn't work. John Fox came in. I don't even know what John was supposed to be. I guess he's, he had a defensive background. Um, yes. Hire a football coach who's going to hire – an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. And he's going to coach all the players. But the offensive coordinator is going to call the plays. The defensive coordinator is going to call the defense. None of this. I coach half the team, and then the other guy coaches the other half of the team. Coach the whole freaking team. It doesn't seem that hard to yeah. find them. Well, um, that, and that, that model could work, but every time the Bears hire a guy like that, to, you know, like Nagy to coach the offense, the offense is terrible. Yeah. What well, you're the. You were hired to coach. This is all you had to. You kept to coach half the team. And. That's where your focus is, and this is slap. What are we doing here? Because I think if you get, if you went out and actually hired a respected person to run your organization, I do think that football coaches would see the Bears as an attractive job. Definitely. If they thought, all right, there's, I'm going to report up through a person. There's not going to be a lot of meddling, and it's. A great. It's not going to. It's, it's not going to be Ted Phillips, by the way. I'm not going to report to I'm Ted. I'm not going to report to Ted. Ted's busy with the parking lot. Right. Um, it's a great football town. There's tradition, even though a lot of it is bad. But you look at the landscape, and Aaron Rodgers is not 28 years old anymore. The Vikings aren't good. The Lions right. aren't good. So you can kind of come right. in and go, look, if we get our shit together in the first couple of years. We could be the best team in the North year in and year out, which gives us a path to the playoffs every year. Mm-hmm. We can we can give ourselves a lottery ticket every year to try to go. There's a lot worse situations. Plus, there's you've got a good defense to start with, so you only have to really mm-hmm. worry about trying to build one half 
of your team. Although the, the new GM is going to have to come in and look at that defense and go, we've got a couple of these pieces. We have to figure out what we can move out because we need money to fix an offensive line that they have nickel and dimed forever, which is a huge reason why the offense doesn't work because they can't block anybody. And you only have a finite amount of cash. So somebody's got to look and go, all right, I got to make a tough decision with somebody, mm-hmm. but we're going to reinvest that money to make our offense competent. <sighs> I mean, it's, it's a mess, but football guys love messes. They love to come in and fix somebody else's mess and make themselves feel like they're super smart. But, so long-winded answer, I, fe- I fear that the five wins they got early not only screw up the draft position, but make it feel like um, it's not as bad as it is. Like, their record isn't going to... It's the NFL. They're not going to lose out. As much as I, as much as you look at the schedule and go, where are they going to win again? Um, they're either going to go 6-10 and 10 or 7-9. and nine. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the season, it's not going to look that bad. It is bad, and it, it feels a lot worse than it looks because it is worse than it looks because you were 5-1. and one. If you go 5-1 right. and one to 6-10, and ten, that's a colossal flop. But I just worry that the 104-year-old owner is going to be like, oh, they're nice boys, and they didn't do that bad. And we'll give them another shot. And then you're in football hell because now you've got the dope who screwed up the quarterback position picking your next quarterback – and then the mm-hmm. dope who proved that his offense doesn't work, coaching the new quarterback. It's a complete right. waste of everybody's time. Right. So I feel like um, we're already past the point where Vag goes, fire everybody. But I could be wrong. Maybe it would take a humiliating end, like give up 108 points in Lambeau in two weeks. The only thing about the about the you know five wins making it look good is that it also makes it look bad because if you go you know you you start five and one and you end up with six or seven wins that doesn't look too good well and if you give a critical analysis which i don't you have to give them the benefit of the doubt they would do that we knew at the time the five wins were imaginary yeah they were they were were two and three team they weren't five and one right so if they started two and three and then lost out. Well, hell, you're two and fourteen, but you get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. That would be great. They don't even get that. They have no. a they have that caliber of a team, but not that caliber of a draft pick, which is the, about the worst place you could be. You know, they always say mediocrity is the worst because you just sit in the middle and you're never bad enough to get worse than that. Is to have a mediocre record with a terrible team. Right. And so, okay, so I'm just looking at this. So Brian Pace came in, what, 2015? Yes. Is that his first year six. Yes. So his first, so his first, okay, let's go, let's go, you know, if you, if you don't judge a GM by his number or by his first round draft picks, what do you judge him <laughs> by? So for, okay, 2015, remember who this, what, who we picked? His first first round pick was first for, Kevin White. Kevin White, number seven overall. Right. Okay. Well, that turned out great. Um, 2016. Is that Leonard Floyd? Leonard Floyd. Traded up to get Leonard Floyd. Could really worry that the Giants were going to steal him. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, so far we got Kevin White and Leonard Floyd on the, on the board. 2017, of course, is Mitch. That's yes, the worst, the worst pick in Bears history. And that's saying something. But yeah. When you think about everything that went into it, they had the third pick in the draft. In a draft with three. At least three first-round caliber quarterbacks. They traded up 
to get to number two to pick the worst one. If you're writing a script about it in Hollywood, they'd say, no, no, my guys, that's not going to, they're not going to do that. That's too unrealistic. Um, the following draft was Roquan. Okay, that was a good pick. Yeah, that was a good pick. And then that's it, because he traded away the other two picks, the other two first-round picks. And he finally has had. a pick this year, which I it would be nice if he's not around to make. So uh, if I'm looking at that record of draftees in the first round, uh, what's giving you the confidence that we want this guy making no. a pick in 2021? No, he's had one good first-round draft pick. And, and yeah. a history of, even in later rounds, unnecessarily trading up to get players. Traded mm-hmm. up to get David Montgomery. You don't you don't trade extra draft picks to get a very mediocre running back. No. Those guys you go the other way. Right. Um did he trade did they trade up this year to get to Cole Komet or did they have the brains to sit? I don't feel like they traded up, so. but who knows. But there have been other guys even you know, in um you know, and then uh Cap on their little post-game show last night had a good point, which was one of his worst picks was Adam Shaheen. Mm-hmm. Well, Adam, he traded Adam then to the Dolphins. Dolphins just gave Shaheen a contract extension because they're like, hey, that guy's pretty good. <laughs> but they didn't waste a second-round draft pick on him. They're looking at whatever they, like the six-round pick they gave the Bears, and they're like, yeah, he's a useful second, you know, a backup tight end. We'll pay him $9 million for three years, whatever it is, to play. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And and then his fascination with tiny guys. <laughs> um, you know, Tariq Cohen, who has an interesting skill set, although the current Bear regime doesn't seem to have any. It's amazing that Dowell Loggins found better ways to use Tariq Cohen than Matt Nagy ever has. Um, and then Darnell Mooney. It's like right. the league is going towards bigger, fast players. So I suppose you could say, well, it's an inefficiency. Then we'll go for the little fast guys because mm-hmm. we can get. Well, not if you are picking them, you know, a couple of rounds before. I guess Cohen was a late, was like a fourth round pick, so that one's fine, I suppose. But when your your game breakers are dwarves, that's an issue. It, it will hamper mm-hmm. your offense. You've got to find some adult sized players to play on your offense. And then, so they really, they have one guy on the offense who's a really good player. And he is very mm. clearly leading. Unhappy. <laughs> He's right. Allen Robinson has long ago decided this you is it. I'm amazed down. he hasn't opted out. I'm amazed. Fast enough. Yeah. If I was him, I'd be like, all right, thanks a lot, but I'm going to go find a real team because I'm, I'm done with you guys. His agent, when they, um, when they got in the red zone, the only time they were in it, right? Um, they threw, he had, uh, Foles had Jimmy somewhat open and missed him by a good 20 yards on the corner mm-hmm. of the end zone. Um, I forget what else they did, but they never looked at Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson's agent basically said 99% of the teams would look for their number one, op- their number one wide receiver when they're in the red zone, but not the Bears. That does not sound like an agent who's going to advise his client that he's in such a great spot, he should stay. Right. And that's like a big deal. They're like, the Bears haven't even talked to Robinson about a contract extension since like week two. And I'm thinking, all right, well, 
do we really know the reason though? Because I feel like the reason is Alan has been like, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> it could well be right. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't, don't bother. Don't bother me. Don't bother me. Seriously. Yeah. So another good well, thing on that, on the post game was it's still talking about, you know, Foles left the game on a cart <laughs> and it was so sad too, because He's got like the hurt his hip or whatever it was, and so they sit him on the cart, and he's got to kind of lean a little bit to one side, and it's <laughs> the thing where they're driving. It looks like they hit every bump, you know. And he's like, oh, every pothole in Chicago. Like, oh. So Nagy comes in the post game. He didn't know right away in the post game. Later they found out it was good news, not as bad as it looks. I was like, well, that's the opposite Never of because he's worse yeah. than what we thought. So it looks there's a good chance yeah. he could play in two weeks and. Green Bay. There's also a good chance that Mitch will be ready to play in two weeks. So Dave Kaplan says on the post game, and Wani was on it because when it's a night game, you get Wani. You get so, the big guns. Oh Jesus, that's just well, complete <laughs> dope. Um, yeah. He says to the guys, he's like, um, if you're Mitch, why would you even play? Why wouldn't? Why would you risk getting hurt again when you're going into free agency? To which they, uh, Briggs and Olin and uh, Alex Brown all laughed. Mm-hmm. Because like, cause he's Mitch Trubisky. He hasn't proven anything. Right. If if the Bears are 5-5 five and five and they try to put him back in and he's like, no, I'm going to protect, protect this. Every other team <laughs> yeah. in the league is going to be like, Mitch doesn't want to play anymore. We're not even going to bother. Right. He's going to have course. a hard time finding a job anyway because most teams have looked at him and gone, he's... Eh. he's he can't pass. He can't throw with any kind of accuracy. And he's not Which a check, good check, enough check, athlete. Check to, me if I'm wrong. Passing is is a desirable for, some, quality for a quarterback, useful. typically. Okay. So I'm just making sure. Okay. So he can't right. really he can't pass accurately. And he's a good athlete, but he's not a good enough athlete to be useful in any other way. It's not like no, he's not well, we'll use his physically. He's not Lamar Jackson. It's not like, yeah. okay, the passing is kind of shaky, but if we run the right kinds of plays for him, his legs will open things up and get him easier throws. We know that's not the case. He's, he's just not that athletic. No. So it was enjoyable that they laughed at Cap. And like, <laughs> no, he if they offer him a chance to play, he has to play because he needs to show people that he's not as terrible as everybody thinks he is. The problem is he is as terrible as they think, and that's what will show. He's screwed because he's bad. So that's maybe the best the thing for Mitch is that they don't ask him to play. And he never has yeah. to turn it down. But he's not going to turn And he's missed. He's not going to turn it down. If oh, they'd no, asked no, him, if he, could you play left-handed while you're sure. short? He would have played. I mean, yes, he there's a reason people like on that team like Mitch. And it's Absolutely. because he will, he will do whatever he has to do. The problem is he's not good right. enough to do whatever it is good enough to actually be useful. It's not That's for a problem. lack of wanting to do it. You can't put in what God left out. And right. And he just doesn't have a talent. But... He's a good guy. He absolutely wants to do it. He's there, his want to has never been in question. So, so yeah, that's um, – now, do we have a, co- a quarterback controversy brewing if both of, if both uh, of our ambulatory quarterbacks are, in fact, healthy and ready yeah. to start? Yeah, we do. It's like, um, oh, God, they both could play. <laughs> Damn it. That's the can't controversy. You, oh, God, which one do we guys- pick? Oh, can't one of you guys be too into the start, please, somebody? You know what they should do? They should do the, um, was it, 
was it Danny White and Gary Holgaboom? Or was it Craig Morton and somebody? But there was a season where Tom Landry, at least for a few games... Oh, no, I think it was Morton and Staubach. He alternated them on... He, they brought in the play. So the quarterback mm-hmm. changed every other play. That's what the Bears should do with Foles. Here's the problem with that. It'd be delay a game every time it's Foles' turn because he's so slow. <laughs> he couldn't get to the huddle in time to call the play and get to the line. So that would be yeah. an issue. Mitch would bring the wrong play in. Right. And then Foles would bring the right play in, but by the time he got the huddle, there'd only be four seconds left on the play clock, and they'd have to call timeout again. So, so what if they, what if they put both guys on the field at the same time? Well, Just I to think it's scare time. the hell out of the Packers. Honestly, here's Who's what I this is you know if I were Nagy, and I realized this is well if I were Nagy and I was in a position where I was pretty convinced this is it, I'm mm-hmm. probably screwed. The offense I would run would be I would line up with Corderell in the shotgun and with Nagy and Mitch on each side. <laughs> and so Cody Whitehair, probably by accident because he's such a terrible snapper, but you'd have Cody, depending on the play, could snap it to any of the three guys. Yes. And that's the offense that we'd run. I'd like it. Like we do. It. Could it be any worse? I mean, if you're going to go nuts, go completely nuts. And run Let's something. go nuts. Because that's the other thing with the Bears. They're not fun. This isn't They're fun bad. Oh, so not fun. This is pull your fingernails out fun. It's no fun. It's just bad. Yeah. And they don't look, they don't look, they're not having any fun. They're nope. not fun to watch. It's, it's a chore at this point for everybody. It's a chore for the fans. I honestly, I think it's the reason Chicago went into lockdown was to force <laughs> fans to watch the bears. Cause otherwise the fans would have just found something else to do. Yeah. Um, and it's clearly a chore for the players at this point. They're like, ah, here we go. This is going to no. be great. Yeah. I mean, and the Packers could really beat them by a lot. Yes, which would be a very bad sign because, honestly, the Packers are not that good. They're really not. They're not. I mean, the Vikings showed that two weeks ago. The Vikings beat the crap out of them. And the Vikings are not good. No. Jacksonville hung around. Jacksonville is awful. Jacksonville is like that week 17 is Bears-Jags. That'll be one for the ages. What it's something it's something with the centrals this year. Baseball and football, yeah. all the centrals the middle of the country suck. as well. It's COVID is ravaging it and Yeah. They ought to force them to go play in the Dakotas and see if we can survive. <laughs> Does it annoy you by the way they, they they keep referring to like, you know, the North Dakota's the Midwest? That bothers me. Yeah. Cases are surging in the Midwest. Like look at North Dakota. Well, yeah, it's Dakota's southern Canada. <laughs> it's the French Riviera of Canada. Right. Bismarck. Now, you know, the only reason that there's two Dakotas this is true. I found this out because they were talking about, not to, we're not, we're not going to delve into politics, but you know, there was the thought that if the Democrats got a hold of the Senate, that they would make Puerto Rico a state district of Columbia, a state, um, they get four more senators, but you'd also actually have representation for people who are live in America and don't have any back right. when they made the Dakota territories, a state, Republicans in the Senate insisted on it being divided in half so they could get four senators instead of two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the only reason that there's two of those. Right. The Dakotas have four senators. California has two. Two. Yes. 40 million people. Makes a lot of sense. But you have to represent what's left of the buffalo herd, which has <laughs> got to make it a tough job. Very tough. 
So anyway, yeah, we have that to yeah. look forward to, which is uh-huh. um, which dud will get to play quarterback. And if and if it's neither one of them, if they because there's no sure bet they're going to be healthy enough, Ooh. then it is Tyler Bray time. And here's the thing about Tyler Bray. TBT. Um, he he was not good in college. <laughs> here's, here's the thing about him. He's not good. He never has been. He went to Tennessee. He had one great game. He threw for like 480 yards or something in one game. And the rest of his career, he was bad. And I don't know that they won that game. <laughs> um, because you would think, now, he played in the SEC. He's an NFL prospect. None of us had ever heard of him. We knew mm-hmm. who he was. The only reason we know was because he's on the Bears, and we, see, we used to see him in the preseason. Right. But that's another weird Ryan Pace thing. He said in his introductory press conference that quarterback's the most important position on the field, and the, and a, 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 you really should probably bring in a young quarterback every year. Yeah. Bring him in, have him in your building for a year. You make a decision about whether you want to go forward with him or not. And the only one he's ever drafted is Mitch. He didn't draft David Fails, did they? I don't think so. I think everybody else has been a free agent. Mm-hmm. And Bray's been around for like the last four years. And he's not right. a prospect. He's nothing. He's just no. a guy. It just it never made any sense. Yeah. But a lot of what they do doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, one of the things about trading, needlessly trading up in the draft, it's really obvious when you, when you trade up in the first round, but Pace does it a lot in like the fourth and fifth round. So he routinely is at a pick deficit. And a lot of times mm-hmm. he will trade away a couple of picks in the middle rounds next year for this year's draft thinking, well, next year I'll just do that again and I'll just keep doing it. But there's a reason good teams try to get extra picks. And they mm-hmm. use a lot of those extra picks on offensive linemen. They take a flyer on, you know, on guys. And they tend to pick guys from, like, there are there are good players in this league who were, like, the third tackle at Wisconsin. Right. Or, or Iowa, Iowa. Or Notre Dame. Yeah. Who were, who were good, got stuck behind a three-year starter, didn't get a lot of starts, but is a good player who's sitting there in the sixth round and guys get him in a camp. Like, you know, this guy's actually pretty useful. Yeah. The bears don't do that because they're constantly giving those picks away to get, and that's why they have a to get other problem. things. And that's, yeah. And they, these, these other things they get aren't yeah. particularly desirable as it turns out. And that's why they have such a, a, a huge depth problem on this team. So one of the problems about on Sundays when the bears don't play is that I, I watch, I watch red zone the whole time. Mm. And then at the end of the day, I have no idea what I saw because it's just constantly channel changes. And I can't remember hardly anything. I do remember Deandre Hopkins with the ridiculous catch and all that stuff. But one of the games, one of the announcers was saying, I forget, maybe it was Buffalo. Somebody has a, a running back right now who played at Alabama, who barely played. Right. And he's good. And the announcer said, if I, if with a seventh round pick every year, one of the things I would do is, he goes, this is a good example. You know Alabama recruits really good running backs, and they mm-hmm. always have too many of them. So these guys don't get, you know, they don't get 250 carries in a year. He's like, just pick them. It's a seventh-round yeah. pick. Bring him into camp. Find out if he's any good or not. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not a terrible way to do that. You know, with your, obviously you don't, you can't base your whole draft on that. But when you get to the end and everybody's a lottery ticket, you know, maybe focus in on established programs who know how to recruit good football players. Yeah, maybe go to the guy who was really high, highly recruited, recruited out of high school and went to a program where he got some really good coaching. That might that so, might prove to be useful in the NFL. Who knows? One of the more irrational things that irritates me, I don't really hold this against Ryan Pace. It's a very meatball take. It bothers me that DK Metcalf plays for the Seahawks because his dad was Terrence Metcalf, who played guard for the Bears. And I feel like because of that, the Bears should have known a pick. Which makes no <laughs> sense at all. It's the dumbest thing ever. Plus the fact that if DK Metcalf played in this offense, he'd be terrible. <laughs> they wouldn't know how to get the ball to him. They wouldn't do anything. They'd turn him into a fullback instead of mm-hmm. a wide receiver. Or he'd be the third, he'd be the Cole Komet tight end, the one who comes in and they re- re- routinely refuse to throw the ball to. But part right. of me is like, his dad played for the Bears? How do they not know to pick him? Well, because that's not a thing. It's not like yeah. it's not like being the legacy in a frat. Right. But still, it annoys me. Right. Right. And I think he's bigger than Terrence Metcalf was. <laughs> that is one large man. Um, okay, so the Bears are off next week, mercifully. We can just not think Thanks about them. Me. Yeah. Uh, I was getting my, you know, because of COVID and calendars are meaningless i was thinking oh that's weird they're off thanksgiving week but they're not right that's not Thanksgiving. Uh, no, it's a week not. before thanksgiving yeah i'm just glad so they're not feel, playing it does feel like it does feel like that yeah. though and i because i had a, that thought too yeah, yeah they're playing the sunday before is that right no sunday after oh they're playing so yeah they're, they're, they're playing like, thanksgiving week they're just playing the almost the last game there's only yeah. one after them um because it really does. It annoys me when they play on Thanksgiving because I feel like it just ruins Thanksgiving. Me too. Right. Thanksgiving, I got, I got a good. I got enough going on. I don't need a Bears game. Yeah. It's like don't you don't need to pick the Bears for that. No. We don't. Um. Because so, then after Thanksgiving, you want to watch, sit there Sunday and watch watch the Bears, and then you oh they played already. Well, yeah, that sucks. They, yeah. Yeah. Uh, although this Thanksgiving, where people can't actually go anywhere. It would probably yeah. be a fine day for them to play. You actually pay attention to it instead of having to pretend that you're talking to your nephew when you're your like, Just "Shut up! I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I gotta, I gotta see uh, how far um, or how quickly this guy can get around Rashad Coward. That's what I'm focused <laughs> on right now. I don't care about your little <laughs> stories about college. I don't care. Exactly. So the other big news which just broke this morning, which is not a tremendous surprise. I think we kind of thought this was uh, going to happen, is that Theo mm-hmm. Epstein is uh, leaving the Cubs. Uh, after nine glorious seasons, mm-hmm. he is, uh, he's leaving. And, and for me, the thing, I feel like the baseball side of Theo, you can, you can replicate. Um, in fact, you know, of the last 100 World Series champions... 97 of them didn't have Theo Epstein in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing they can't, they can't replace, no matter how good a job Jed Hoyer does, and I'm one of those guys who actually, I'm naive enough to think, I think Jed will actually be good at this job, is Theo functioned as much more than just the, um, I mean, he wasn't the general manager. Technically, Jed was the general manager. He was the president of baseball operations, but he did all the general manager stuff plus the other stuff. Was... 
he articulated things very well. Mm-hmm. And given the dysfunction within that franchise, they do a lot of weird shit. They they create PR nightmares for themselves. Theo was always the guy that could explain what really happened and why it's okay. He couldn't always right. pull it off. The whole Aroldis Chapman thing, they screwed that up. They botched it. There was no good way to put a face on it. And Theo struggled with that. But there were a lot of other things that after five minutes of Theo explaining why they did it, you're like, oh, all right, that's fine. That makes sense. They're not going to have that anymore. And I, I, I worry about who becomes the face of that for the Cubs because they need it. It certainly mm-hmm. can't be Crane. That guy's no. a dick, and everybody knows he's, he just looks like a prick when you see him. You don't need him talking about anything. Um, Jed has the title now, but Jed's got other stuff. Jed's got a baseball team to fix. He should be worried about that. Yeah, um, and Jed's not not a guy who comes across naturally as as a as a media spokesperson, right. the guy that you're going to talk to. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jed's had it. Jed's had in some ways the the easiest job and the toughest job. The easiest job was that no matter what he said or what he did, Theo was going to be the one who got all the credit for whatever it was. And so when Jed right. would come on the radio, he was always funny because he could be. You know, he could just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, well, he doesn't get to do that anymore. Right. So I fear that the 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 spokesperson for the Cubs now is Tom Ricketts. Yeah. And that's not going to go great because um that's not the Ricketts family there's just not a lot of, uh, well, they're from Omaha. There's no charisma. Mm-hmm. They have none. They have neg- <laughs> Todd has negative charisma. The rest of them are at replacement level charisma, I think. Right. Uh, um, so that's, they will step in stuff like they always do, but there won't be Theo to reassure the fan base that it's not as bad as you think. You know, it'll be okay. They don't have any of that anymore. Yeah. And that it will yeah. rear its ugly head at some point and be mm-hmm. bad. Um, the other big thing is you want to take Theo at his word, which was, I was going to leave at the end of next year anyway. It doesn't do any good for me to be the lame duck guy with Jed sitting over here. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. And here's how I'm going to do it. And the next year you can deal with this. You might as well hand it over. Um, the fear it brings up is that, him and Tom sat down and Tom basically said, all right, here's how much money we have. And Theo went, well, shit, that's not enough. We're going to have mm-hmm. to get rid of a lot. And I'm not going to do that. Let Jed deal with this shit. Yeah, that is the fear. Yes. That's the worst case. Let's hope it's not the accurate yeah. take, but Which it's is. definitely the worst case and very plausible take. Like if you want to, if you want a non-tender Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber, I'm going to leave. Jed can. Jed knows how to fill out the paperwork. He can do it. I don't need to be around for that. Yeah. I don't know that that's, I'm not like when we, when inevitably do this podcast with Sam, Sam's already sure that that's what this means, that they're gutting it. Jed doesn't have the cachet to say no. Theo did. Jed can't push back on anything. Whatever the Ricketts want, he's going to have to do. I don't, I don't think it's that bad. I think they're, I, I think they're still stuck in the spot where they still have enough good players that they'll be good. They mm-hmm. don't have enough 
to really win anything. And they let them get to a, a point in their contracts now where from a player acquisition standpoint, it doesn't make sense. It, you're better off trying to squeeze one last year out of them than you are trading them and getting pennies on the dollar for them. Yeah. So that's where I fear they are. I fear they're in a spot where they're like, ah, screw it. We might as well. Uh, we're not going to keep Schwarber or Bryant for long term. But we'll, we will tender them a contract. We'll go through arbitration with them. If, if shit goes sideways in July, we'll trade them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we'll just see if we can make one last run, get a couple of, get a couple of playoff checks from MLB, and then they can go. And we'll, we'll take their little draft picks. That's where I think they really are. And I think Theo's yeah. like, why am I sticking around for that? I've just I've done that for the last X amount of years. If you're right. not going to let me, you know, add on to this team and try to make one last run for it, I might as well, you know, not be here. Yeah, and I think, and isn't that probably really realistically the best the best option? It's not a great option, but you run back the same team you had last year. You bring them back. They should win that division. They should win that division pretty easily, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, and look, as you, you punch, as you said, you punch your lottery ticket, you win your division, you get into the playoffs. Who knows? Anything can happen. You got you Darvish, Kyle Hendricks. You know, you've got two frontline starters. You've got obviously guys with a great pedigree. You still got Alec Mills. You got the great Alec Mills. You threw a no hitter. You no hitter. When is a bad pitcher ever thrown a no hitter? It's never happened. Never happened. Uh, but you know, you could certainly say, "Look, these if these guys actually get hot, and God knows they're due to get hot in the playoffs." A Rizzo, a Bryant, a Baez, everybody gets hot. We could make another run at this thing. And and at the end of the year, we if the, if the system still exists, which is a whole other thing. But let's say the system still exists, they offer qualifying offers to these guys. And okay, Bryant doesn't sign. You get, you get the draft pick. You know, same with you know uh, anybody else. They they make a qualifying offer to. You go, all right, well, you know what? That's not the worst option. And we got we got the qualifying picks. And then we go into the next season. We've got, you know, we've got Ian Happ. We've got um, – I'm presuming they'll probably try it. If they're going to keep any two guys, it's going to be Rizzo and, and Baez, if they're going to try to keep them. You got those guys. You got Contreras. Presumably you're going to have Brennan Davis coming up soon. Ed Howard's a couple of years away. You've got Nico Horn. You could say, all right – 2022 will be okay and then uh we'll make some additions we'll have these draft picks come up and 2023 here we go again you know we're we're off to the races so it seems like that's probably the the their best course of action as boring as it is and i completely agree why does theo want need to stay around for that you're just gonna run the same thing back he's like well jed can do that you don't need me for that yeah you don't need me for that um so here's my here's my fear, because they're the Cubs. Basically, you know, you, they need to decide right now what their path is, mm-hmm. because you've got, you know, they already passed one deadline, the non-tender deadline. They did tender or the uh, renewal. They re, they picked up Rizzo's player option. They turned down Lester's, which was obvious. They are so they had to write him a check for ten million dollars. Coincidentally, the same amount that they're saving from Theo. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then there's a lot of thought that John's like, well, I, you already paid me $10 million. If you give me four or five more, I, I can be your fifth starter, which would be yeah. fine. You pay five million. That's a sunk cost. Pay $5 million. Keep John Lester around. 
That would be fine. Right. Um, so th- that decision part is already gone. Well, now you get into one in like January where you have to decide about the arbitration eligible guys. And that's the, mm-hmm. that's the big one. That's, that's Javi and Bryant and Schwarber. My fear is that they'll get to that deadline and there still won't be a clear picture of what the season is going to look like in terms of when's it really going to start? How many games is it going to be? And when are you going to get to have fans? My concern is that the Cubs kind of punt that deadline. And then we get closer to the season and they realize, all right, we're not going to be able to squeeze a whole 162 game season. And we're going to play 140. We're Mm -hmm. probably not going to have fans until after the all-star break. And they're like, well, shit, it's going to cost us a fortune. So, Jed, you've already spent all your money. I know you've got holes in this roster, and there's going to be a ridiculous amount of free agents out right now. And they're going to be buys, because there's all the teams are faced with some version of this. There's going to be really good players who were, you know, it had been happening the last few years. It'll be exacerbated this year. There's going to be really good players when spring training starts that don't have a job and start to freak out. And some smart team is going to patch every hole in their roster with guys they there's no way they would have been able to sign who suddenly fall in their lap and like give me one year and seven million I'll do it because I don't want to risk not having a job. My fear is right. that the Cubs that- get to that point with all these holes that they didn't bother to fill and go, uh, yeah, we don't have any money. Mm-hmm. The old Tom Ricketts we're out of money thing. And there's Jed trying to with opportunities to get good players and he can't now, and he's patching it. And then you end up with this weird Frankenstein of the last hurrah for some of your best players in team history. And then a bunch of schlubs that you could sign for the league minimum. And then you just go out there and yes, be the reds aren't going to be as good. Uh, the, the, the great Trevor Bauer is clearly leaving. Right. Um, the Cardinals have already basically said we, we're going to cut payroll. which is fine with me. Mm-hmm. Brewers just aren't that good. Right. And uh, Pittsburgh's terrible. So, yes, yeah. it, it, this is a, an easily winnable division for the Cubs. And so you win it, and then we get to sit through another three three games in the playoffs where they scored two runs. Mm-hmm. And they're all like, what the fuck did we just sit and watch for all summer? No. Now, I, I don't think that Jed would have the leverage but you, to, to pull this off. But Theo might have. And that might have been, okay, I'm going to leave. I'm going to turn it over to Jed. You're going to save my $10 million. But I need some assurances that you're going to um, you're gonna expand the budget. You're going to sign some guys. You'd like to think that that's possible, that there were some – again, there's no way Jed – I don't think Jed would have the status to, to pull that off. But Theo – on behalf of Jed, would have the status to potentially pull that off. So I wonder, I wonder if, that, if I wonder if Jed had more leverage than we think, because that was kind of the perceived succession plan. It was going to mm-hmm. go from Theo to Jed. Jed's been here. He's been through all the stuff. He's been a GM before. Um, you know, he didn't do a great job with the Padres, but it was the Padres at a time when. They were just yeah, changing GMs every two years. And he made right. one really good trade. He fleeced uh, Anthony Rizzo away from Theo, which then meant Rizzo was out there ready to be shipped to the Cubs. Right. Who were they going to go to if Jed had played hardball and was like, look, you know, payroll's got to go up or this isn't an mm-hmm. attractive job. I go, you know, I can go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling he had that leverage. He didn't use it. 
the, the, the conversation didn't happen. Um, because at the same time, Jed has been sitting waiting for nine years for the job. And finally, it opened. And he's like, oh, I don't want to screw this up. This is a job I've actually been waiting for. But I do think there right. was a chance there where the, you know, the, the rickets don't all don't aren't very good, aren't very savvy at the option A, option B, option C. We found that out with, I mean, the biggest enterprise they've launched since they bought the team is an embarrassment of a TV network. Yeah, where they they didn't have, they never came up with option A, much less option B. Right. Right. You know, we're sitting here on the night that they're the greatest executive in team history has left, and the programming they have on right now is a pre-recorded gambling show <laughs> where they're talking about the NBA draft. That's so maddening. That this if you ha- this is why you have your own network. Yeah, it's for stuff so this like twenty four seven for the next two weeks. Yeah, this I mean, is this. Today, every Cub fan was like has a million questions, just like us. Yeah, that's when you're supposed to go to Marquee, and even, even if they bring out their milk toast, you know, if it's a panel yeah. with Cole Wright, Sean Marshall, and Ryan Sweeney, you'll watch it. They're going to talk about the Cubs yes. for an hour, but they right. don't even do that. No. You know, an, an interesting guy to the in this to me is Dan Krantovitz. Am I saying his name right? Yeah, the guy from the, the guy that got the from VPN. the. The guy they got from the, the Cardinals, a- who's their like player from the a- A's. He was the Cardinals before that, right? right. And then he went to, to the A's to be their draft guy. Yeah, the one and- who the one who supposedly was up for the Angels' job, and people, most of the writers around the Cubs felt like that was bullshit that the Angels weren't seriously considering him, and he just used it to make it seem like, hey, look, people like me. It's like, no, whatever. Okay. So okay, so if that's the case, then that then that shoots that there because if if it's not if that was if there was legit interest in the in him by the Angels and he came up pretty quickly to turn that down, then I'm wondering, well, what's his role then? You know, um, I'm glad they have him. I think I, I think they needed a guy like that in that position. Well, yeah, they clearly their, needed to change yeah. their approach to the draft. Yeah, and and, and I'd just like spinning it from guys who are already, you know, if, if you go from Jason McLeod to some other guy who's already been with the Cubs, you're yeah. going to get the same ideas. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I really like the their draft, the Cubs draft this year a lot, but I just wonder what what was you know because one thing Theo said today in his press conference is that you know we have multiple future GMs already on the staff now, uh, and we understand some of that is bullshit, but he's not totally wrong either. Yeah, there, well, they've there had a, they've yeah. had some talented guys who've gone on. I mean, hell, the whole Diamondbacks front office are old Cub mm-hmm. guys, right? Um, yeah, it's you know we had the whole thing about the, I, mean, I don't even use his name. I talk about the the guy for baseball prospectus who you know. Oh, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> today he doubled right. down again and said, "Yeah, the Theo regime was a failure, but the middle of it was fun." That's what he said. It's like, fuck off. It was not a failure. You you have to ignore the fact that they are, they have a modern baseball operations system in place. They mm-hmm. are, they're, they're a successful team and they do things the right way now. And when Theo came in, they weren't doing any of it right. None of it. He had right. to build all of it. Even mm-hmm. if they hadn't won the World Series, you couldn't have said that it was a failure 
because the organization itself, the baseball side, is in so much better shape than it was we took over. But then there's that added bonus that they actually won the fucking World Series while he was here. So, yeah, whatever. Pretty good bonus. All right. Um, the, Theo came up with a plan, and the plan mostly worked. Mm-hmm. It worked enough that they won a pennant and a World Series, which is all we were. I mean, that's all we wanted when we got him was we won a World Series and we got it. The part of it that didn't work was, and it was a perfectly sound plan. The problem is you had to execute it, was we're going to draft position players early. And then, um, you know, our first round picks are going to be impact position players. Guys we think can get to the big leagues in a hurry. College bats. Right. Have have a smaller amount of adjustment and are going to go. And then, of course, the first guy they picked was not a college bat. It was Albert Elmore, and he never developed. Right. right. But they hit on enough of the other guys. But then the idea was, if from like rounds 2 through 10, the majority of that was going to be pitching. They were going to get all this inventory of young pitching so mm-hmm. that as they built the team, they could have – you know, a couple of guys in the bullpen who they're paying the league minimum, who were throwing 108 miles an hour, mm-hmm. and then you know the fourth or fifth starter were going to be prospects that they developed, so that they they'd pay premium prices for the one, two, and three starters for the back end of the bullpen, and they'd have all this money left over to round their offense out. Well, the problem, as we all know, is that they didn't develop any pitching. It was just a, it was amazing actually. It's as hard to draft all those guys and have none of them turn out as it is to have all of them turn out. It was amazing that 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 they did it. And so because of that, they had to spend money on stuff they had no intention of having to spend money on. They mm-hmm. had to go out and get veteran middle relievers. Guys that were paying not a lot of money, but you know, you have to pay these guys 5 or 6 million dollars. They were counting on paying $400,000 for those guys and having that money left over to put in contracts for other players. They were having to pay veterans to be one through five in the rotation. They had to go out and get Cole Hamels and then keep him because, like, the Cole Hamels acquisition was their perfect idea of what they would do. That was grab a guy in the last year of his contract who was an established guy. We'll plug him into the third spot in the rotation for the playoff run. It'll be great. The rest of the pitching, they didn't have anybody coming up. So they had to pick up his $20 million option. Well, that wasn't the plan. They weren't supposed to do right. that. The other big thing, the other big miss was, which seemed like a genius move at the time, was they paid Jason Hayward a ridiculous amount of money because, of like, mm-hmm. look, he's a 26-year-old impact-free agent. Right. These guys never are on the market. We're going to front. We're gonna give him a contract with an opt-out after three years. He's going to be yep. so good that he's going to leave gonna... after three years, and yep. then we're going to take that money and we're going to use it to figure out which of our young players to extend. And by the way, added bonus, we're offering, he's sending with us for less than the Cardinals yeah. offered him. And then you get him, and he's not good. <laughs> and after three years, he doesn't even, he's good. He he's doesn't even flirt the with the idea that he's going to leave. Oh, God. Yes, and now in like year five, he has... Yeah. A season where you're like, that was the guy we signed, but it right. we, but it took him five years to get to that. And do we really call the season? Uh, right. You know, he had a two months. Right, and he's I mean, all, and, and every year he's had two months where he's been all right. Look, Hayward's starting yeah. to get it, and yeah. then pff, right into the crap. Right. Yeah, my problem with the Hayward thing, even at the time, I said it at the time. It felt to me like th- it was the first Jim Hendry move that they made. And that was, yeah. I'm going to pay a good player like a great player, and he's going to become a great player. 
That's not how that works. Right. No. He, no. Jason Hayward was not a bad player for the Cubs the first five years, but he was never any worth anywhere near what they were paying him. And that well, was that's, the, that's problem. the problem. Because he You're was a useful happy. player even when he's not hitting. Right. But you can't pay the guy $26 million to be a great defensive right fielder. Those guys don't cost $26 million. You get assigned like Kevin Pillar to give you that same defense in right field and pay him $3 million and then take the other 23 and sprinkle it around the roster. And all of a sudden your whole team is better. That's not how that's supposed to work. Right. Right. But at the same time, they, they were right about so many things, you know, they made the great trade, the, the, maybe the greatest trade in Cub history where they got Jay Carrietta and Pedro Strope for a pile of nothing. Pile of garbage, yeah. They made the best free agent signing, probably certainly in Cub history, maybe in the history of Chicago sports when they got John Lester. They, they paid a guy they paid a guy too much money. They were paying him for what he had done before to be this like culture changer. And then it turns out he lived up to every dollar. They overpaid him and he somehow lived up to every dollar in the contract. Right. It never happens, and it worked. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, they don't. You don't win a World Series without getting a lot of shit right, and they got a lot of shit right. Right. Oh, I take it back. They're doing a Cubs live with no oh, boy Cole Wright, Bruce Levine, and Len Casper. So, all right, I take it back. Well, so how exciting for you that that you can watch it because uh, I have. Hulu and then no longer part of the uh, Hulu package. Well, if you get that, there's several brands of Maytag refrigerators. You can watch <laughs> it right there on the. I've never understood the TV on the refrigerator thing. Yeah, I, well, ours has one, and I have absolutely no idea how to how to activate it. It's never once worked. I mean, is it? What was the basic idea that people would like to have a TV in their f- kitchen? And if you do this, then you don't have to devote any counter space to it. You well, just, it's you just know, right there on the fridge for you. You know, if you're if you're making your if you're cooking a if you're cooking a pasta, you know, and you're in the kitchen, yeah. you want to. I mean, I get the idea. I get the allure of the TV in the kitchen. Yeah. It just seems weird to put it in. What they should do, it should be the microwave. Yes, because that's you've got a screen size thing, and then right. you know if you need to see what's going on in the microwave, you hit a little button, and the TV goes off for a second. You can see what's going on. And you hit it back, and the, it comes back. So that's I should. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> microwave TV. This is a good, good. billion dollar uh, idea take, right there. Take take live tuna fish and feed a mayonnaise. <laughs> oh, this is good. Call Starkist. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it'll be yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this this off season for baseball is going to be painful for a lot of reasons. It's going to be painful. Nothing's going to happen. Until the day it absolutely has to happen, right. free agents aren't going to sign. You know, the um, arbitration's not going to be; those decisions aren't going to happen until the deadline. Free agents yeah. aren't going to sign until the right before spring training. It's just going to be months of death where you speculate. And obviously, the biggest, the biggest problem, the biggest hole for Cub fans is there's no Cub convention. Oh, what a shame! Right. Uh, Right. There's, there won't be anybody to, to boo Tom Ricketts after he announces the Marquee Network. All right. So you guys I, are going to love the Marquee Network. Yeah, this <laughs> same, is great to do on, a, on an audio only podcast. So if you get a chance and you see uh, and you see Bruce Levine on 
marquee. He's got a dress shirt on, and there's a 50-50 chance that the thing on the um, on the chest is a red Ralph Lauren polo logo or a ketchup stain. It's very <laughs> difficult to tell. I'm I'm huh. leaning towards ketchup stain. Um, right. Yeah. And he, for some reason, looks like he's tied to the chair. Just the way he's sitting. It looks very much like there's a rope that is holding his arms to the back of the chair. <laughs> it's almost like he's weekend at Bernie's himself. Right. He's dead, and he tied himself to the chair somehow to make it look like he's alive. <laughs> and he's got to water those plants. For God's sakes, you can't put the plants in the shot and then not water them, Bruce. But anyway. Yeah. So. Well, you know, there's going to be one team probably spending the money this offseason, and that's the Mets. The Mets. And they'll screw that up. They'll, they'll screw it up. That's the good part. But but for a while, there were, there's probably going to be a, a, a time where we're like, Oh, the Mets just signed this guy too. They signed. Look at these. Look at this talent they're amassing. So in the and then they uh, went four games. <laughs> in the Zoom call with uh, Theo today, um, <laughs> first question goes to Bruce, who typically his role usually at a press conference is to welcome whoever it is to town. That's like the unofficial. <laughs> Bruce gets to welcome the new person to town. They gave him the first question, and he basically got to tell Theo. Uh, you did a great job. Which sure <laughs> meant a lot to Theo. Like, thanks, sure. Bruce. Fuck off. Who cares what you think? <laughs> so he's basically there to usher him out of town. Second question went to Gordon Whitmire, who asked <laughs> if Theo left. First, you want to know, is Theo getting paid for his last year? Answer was no. Okay. okay. He says, then if Theo left, is Theo leaving to free up that money so you can pay players with it, which is not the dumbest question in the world. Um, the answer was not great. Tom mm-hmm. decided to take it. He kind of mm-hmm. jumped in and said, the answer is no. That's what you're supposed to answer. Even if you're lying, the answer is right. no. Tom says, Theo and I never talked about money. <laughs> which to me right. means we never talked about it, but you goddamn better believe that that $10 million is going right in my pocket. Cause I want it. It's going right here, right next to the, you know, it'll have Tony LaRusso's driver's license flipping around. <laughs> <in it. laughs> my favorite little detail from the DUI arrest was the cop saying that when they got there and he's talking to Tony on the side of the road, they ask him for his ID and Tony pulled out a big wad of cash and credit cards out of his pocket. And he kept going past the license. It kept, <laughs> the cop kept seeing it and Tony didn't see it and wouldn't grab it. Yeah. And the cop's like, I think he might be drunk. Like, yeah. That's a, that's a pretty safe bet. Pretty good bet. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh, well, been it's interesting. Twenty four hours. Yeah, it's a sad day. Um, it was it was very nice for at least a brief time in the history of the Cubs to have a competent person in charge. Uh, well, but- to have to have a Hall of Famer, to have the guy who is there's nobody better. Yeah. You, you know, now you can say, well, if maybe Andrew Friedman, if you're if you're looking at it today, but. I mean, at the time, I, I remember thinking when when they were, you know, we found out Jim Hendry had been secretly fired. Yeah, fired him before remember, the draft. Right. I, I remember thinking, wow, the, the dream scenario was if they can get Billy Bean. Yeah. 
That would be ph phenomenal. It, like Theo was just, oh, please, they're not going to get Theo. And then they got Theo. And that was just an incredible day to be a, a Cubs fan. And despite what a, that Twitter, what some Twitter trolls may say, he absolutely did everything he said he was going to do. Um, yeah, I mean, the two biggest moves they made, despite all the other stuff, was when... It is. It's amazing that the Cubs got Theo when Theo wasn't available. Like he had yeah. a job. He had a job on a contract, and they got him. Mm -hmm. And then all the all the things that had to go into that. It had to be. It was the it was the chicken and beer, Red Sox. Right. If they don't blow right. that lead, Theo's not going to leave town. Um. So that happens. Actually, yeah. three big things. Probably the three key things that happened ended up with the World Series with the Cubs was. The Red Sox blow the lead. Theo gets pissed, and there's a, he has him and Larry Lucchino have a huge falling out in Boston. And even though John Henry doesn't want Theo to leave, Larry's like, "Screw him, let him go." He goes, mm -hmm. and Tom Ricketts is there to somehow be the guy that gets him. The next year, the Reds or not the next year, a couple of years later, the Red Sox um, do the thing that all teams plan on doing. John Lester's a free agent. They're like, right. let's trade him to Oakland, and then we'll just re-sign him. We'll get the players yeah. for him, and we'll re-sign right. him. It's just like the George Costanza. Let's, what if we got Ken Griffey Jr. and Barry Bonds? <laughs> I mean, it's the same idea. They trade right. him out to Oakland, which pisses Lester off and breaks the bond between him and the Red Sox. So then in the offseason, Theo slides in, and John if somehow, suddenly feels more of an affinity to his old general manager than to his old team. He signs with the Cubs. Yep. And then the ridiculousness of Andrew Friedman well, leaves. Oh, yes. He leaves right, to go right, to the yeah. Dodgers. Yep. And then I'll still never believe this. I mean, I love Joe. Joe's full of shit all the time. Joe doesn't <laughs> even know that Friedman leaving means he can now opt out of his contract. I had no idea. Well, really? Honestly, my, my, lawyer, my lawyer told me that. I had no idea. He called me when and said, hey, you're a free agent. <laughs> and so then not only, now he comes open at the exact perfect time for the Cubs, and then the Cubs don't screw it up. Yeah. They actually get it. And those three things, obviously there's a lot of other stuff, you know, they're savvy enough to sign Ben Zobrist and the other put the perfect finishing touches on a team. Because that was the other thing we knew was that for the Cubs to finally win the World Series, they were gonna have to be the best team in baseball by a lot. A lot. They had a and lot of were, bad luck. The and they yeah. still almost blew it. They were yeah. easily the best team in baseball in twenty sixteen. Had to had to had to win three in a row at the end and had to go into freaking extra innings to win it, but they won. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all that stuff, all that stuff had to fall in perfect order. Mm -hmm. And it did. I'm sure every championship team, you go back and look and say, well, this didn't happen. This didn't happen. Sure. But we've had a lifetime four generations of that shit never falling in the right order ever. Never. Right. And it finally did. And yes, it's, we're, you know, it's amazing. It's been, it's been four years. Since they won yeah. the World Series. And we're like, oh, I can't believe what a disappointment they <laughs> these four freaking years. Ah, four since, years. I since the wait only this. thing we ever wanted to see, we all got to see. And now we're all like, ah, this sucks. Why can't they get their shit together? But, uh, right. you know, they True. will, as weird as it seems, now, the, the biggest thing Theo does as he leaves is that they're, at some point in our lives, they're going to win another one. Because they're not 40 miles behind every other team like they had been our whole life. And then these random acts of 
you know, competence for one season out of nowhere. You know, the 83 team is so bad, they're unwatchable. You can't even, you can't watch a rerun of, an, of a 1983 Cub game because the team is so bad, they didn't even stick to the videotape. Right. 84, they're the best team in the National League. They should have gone to the World Series. They didn't do it. Yep. Um, the, like the, the 2006 Cubs, no, the 2002 Cubs, terrible, unwatchable. 2003, they almost go to the World Series. That was, what, mm-hmm. that was our life, which was... All right. And then the, the sheer panic when you watch them in the playoffs, knowing that they're that it, it, they're not going to go back next year. This is it. If they don't win right now, they're not going to do it. Yeah. And to have that at least erased. Now we could function like normal baseball fans. Which right. is, hey, this team's pretty good. It'd be nice if they'd win this year. It's going to suck if they don't. But they're not going to they're not going to lose 104 games next year, which is the fear we always lived with, you know. Right. The '89 right. Cubs were really good and really fun. The '90 Cubs were terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. 2003 Cubs begat the '04 Cubs, who were good, but they were the worst. And then were the right. '05 and '06 Cubs that were unwatchable. Right, right, and, and 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 we've had you know five of the last six years. You have the Cubs in the playoffs, and the only time they didn't do that was last year. Uh, and even that kind of felt like they were they just they were. Kind of in the play, they just blew it at the end. They lost nine in a row coming down the street. Yeah, some of them in ridiculous fashion. Ridiculous fashion. So even up until the very end, you're thinking, "Well, this is a playoff team," and that that would have been six out of six. But five out of six, six out of six doesn't matter. It's what we've never, um, what we never expected as Cubs fans, and and now and Theo delivered that for us. Yeah. The thing about it is, and I've thought about this a lot, is. What would it have been like if if they had lost to the Indians in 2016? Yeah. The, I mean, it would have been it would have been awful. 2017 and 2018 would have been because it's it, it's Cub fans and this yeah. oh god we're never gonna win and oh my god they blew it and just the sheer all that would have done is piled more weight on. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, that was the whole thing. We knew the, the team that broke through for the Cubs was going to have to be so much better than everybody else in the league because the extra baggage they had to carry. Mm-hmm. And um, my favorite quote from the... Because I watched it again on the anniversary. I watched the, the World Series video again. Ben Zobris says towards the end of the video, we knew it would be hard, but we didn't know it was going to be this hard. <laughs> Welcome to Chicago, yeah. Ben. And that's just, you know... And no other team now, at least for the next, as long as we're alive, has to deal with that shit. Right. You know, it, yes, Cub fans can be oppressive and all that stuff, but there's not a hundred years of shit piled on top of everything else. Yeah. They can just be a normal baseball team, which they weren't mm-hmm. for a very long time because of, you know, just decades of ineptness. They literally weren't competitive in the 50s. They yeah, just punted a whole decade. decade. They were terrible. And it, most of the 60s. Were, like the middle of the 60s, they finally showed up. And then they basically took the 70s off. They totally took the 70s off, yeah. I mean, just these people, I can't believe they went 108 years. With a, where, you know, actually, the more ridiculous one, the 108 years was one thing. But it was the, the not winning a pennant for all that time. You only had to win half the, especially when, for a long stretch of that, you never had to win a playoff game. There was no crapshoot part of it. Right. Um. But to be non-competitive in so many of those seasons, year after year after year, 
that that's what added the weight. This was not, you know, the Red Sox had their own, their thing was completely different. That mm-hmm. was a tortured franchise that had part of their drought was that they were constantly going up against the Yankees. The best right. team in the sport was in their league. And then when they split into divisions was in their division and they were there to just constantly beat them in the head. And, um, but then they would make the playoffs and they would lose in this spectacular ways, or they would blow a lead down the stretch coming down the pennant race where the Cubs you know, the Red Sox were bad for stretches, but never anything like the Cubs. Where the Cubs, right. there could be just there could be six years in a row where they never played an important game. Ever. Right. Where they right. literally were out of it in June and just playing out the string. It's just it's it's mind boggling to think that they did that. So the whole idea that they went hundred and eight years without a World Series, it honestly they didn't give themselves very many chances. No, they didn't. To win. I mean they had like six. It's sixty nine. Yeah. Right. And I always would think, you know, if you were a Cub fan in the 30s and somebody from the future came back and told you about how terrible the Cubs were, you wouldn't believe it. You'd be like, what? We're because, the best team in the league. Right. They were the, they were, they were the kind of, they were the Yankees of the National League. Now Absolutely. they were falling just short in the World Series, but they were kind of, they were going to the World Series. Like in the 30s, they went every three years. Yeah. They just went to the World Series. What the hell? It would have amazed you to realize that they were going to take the next 60 years off. Right. Right. You've been, oh, that's ridiculous. The Cubs. That's not going to happen to the Cubs. Right. A lot of people people in Chicago don't realize how many pennants the Cubs have. They have a lot. Yes. (laughs) They have a lot of pennants. This whole idea that the Cubs and White Sox histories are at (laughs) any way weighted, it's not not even close. close. Not even close. The Cubs are way better. The Cubs have... What do they have 19 pennants and the Sox have five or some something, ridiculous amount. And some like Sox that, have yeah. never gone to the playoffs in back-to-back years. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this whole idea that, well, you know, the Sox were good, but they were in the Yankees. Like, no, take a look. They were terrible for just as long a stretch as the Cubs were. It right. was, it was embarrassing. Right. But uh, yeah, the, I tried to think what would it have been like because the the year before the World Series, the biggest thing happened to the Cubs in in three generations was they beat the Cardinals in the playoffs. The only matchup between the two teams ever, and the Cubs won it. And we could just mm-hmm. give the big fu to the because it it offended Cardinal fans on every level. Right. They were they were supposedly the better team. They had this oh we're the winning franchise. You guys are the losers and all this stuff, and then. It's still to this day they've only it, the Cubs have never lost the Cardinals in the playoffs, and the Cardinals can't say that about the Cubs. You know the weight of that immediately got washed away by the fact that they won the World Series, but that's what we would be clinging to right now, right? Exactly. Which would be sad. Yeah, um, yeah, or maybe the pennant. I mean, that was a big deal. I, I literally remember, and I know I wrote it at times over the years was. It would be very frustrating to me if I live out my days and I never see the Cubs win a World Series, but it would be completely ridiculous if I never see them win a pennant. Yeah. Like, they, I have to just see them in the World Series at least once. I was there. I was there when they clinched it. That was... We lived five blocks from Wrigley. It took a, I think it took an hour to walk home. There's so... Yeah. Just the humanity on the street was just unbelievable. All right. Yeah. Well, All right. We are, uh, um, 
the Bears are off next week, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we will be. That's right. We were talking before we started about what we might do next week, so people can tune in. It'll be different if we do it. I think we will. And then we'll get back to the Bears. Okay. <laughs> get back and finish out the season. Now they make it so hard. Yeah. There are the Cubs now. Kind of. Thanks. Yeah, it wasn't for wasn't for Michael Keller Ditka, and the '85 Bears. They really would be the Cubs. They'd be yeah. they'd be going on, um, fifty-seven years without a yeah, nineteen sixty-three. Yeah, so uh-huh. we got lads to look forward to. Just fifty-one more years, <laughs> and then the Bears can win another one. Yeah, great. All right. Well, I'll see you next week then, Mike. All right, bud. Talk to you then. All right. Many of us have herpes. 